coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Season three of The Right Hash is in full swing. I am calling this mid-August. We are in double digits in August. It's August 10th. This show will come out the morning of August 11th. So we are we are in what I consider mid-August, and we are just a little bit over two weeks away from the first college football games of the 2023 season. Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson, here with you once again in the Kuchecki studios, and this is our favorite part of the year where there's not actually football being played. This is the last month and now two weeks where we have to wait for our week zero games. Neither of our teams are playing in week zero. So it'll just be uh, just a a fun smorgasbord extravaganza of football. And we've got four quarters here, three lists. Uh, The fourth quarter will just be kind of a general NFL preseason potpourri. Like it's like it's been the commanders taking on the Browns. Uh, Friday night in Cleveland in the preseason opener. So I'll have a a little bit of expectations for that toward the end. But we've got three lists, top SEC, or excuse me, top non-SEC games. This year we did our top SEC games last show. Top five transfers uh, that each uh, Alex and I are each looking to watch. And then our NFL list in the third quarter will be five teams that we'd like to see win the Super Bowl other than our own favorite team. So this is this is one of those where we got to hit the books hard, man. Our our good friend Phil Steele, of course, always there for us to to uh to reference and just dive into this wealth of information, but uh we'll we'll start with our uh, our top 5 games outside the SEC and this uh this this the approach I took here was a little bit more uh just the the novelty kind of teams that haven't really played against each other uh, in a couple of years uh, and then there's you know, there's a group of five game and and, and a rematch from last year uh, of two teams that are uh, going to be in the same conference coming up. So that's sort of my uh, my categories. But Alex, welcome. Thanks a lot for uh, for coming on again, uh, again in, here in the, this week. Um, just it's I don't know, man, we're 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 very close. We are 16 days away as of this recording uh, from our first games of the season. We have two Saturdays left without college football. And actually, those Saturdays will both have NFL preseason football. So there's actually no Saturdays without football until like next year, depending on how the NFL plays out after the, you know, SEC championship game type of timeline. But I digress. We, we, We are firmly in football territory. There are two preseason games tonight. There are preseason games all tomorrow uh, that, you know, uh, I think Tennessee just had their first uh, spring scrimmage today. Uh, so th- that should be occurring all around college football. Um, as I said on the last show, I can just step outside onto my porch and it smells like football's here. Um, and it's it's been fantastic. Look, Looking forward to another season of the right hash, another season of college football with my team's doing better than they had if we had recorded this starting 10 years ago. Um, you know, it's been a good luck charm for, for us, for the most part, certainly for the teams that, that you're uh, involved with professionally and looking forward to talking about our top five games outside of the sec uh, as we are both, you know, 
entrenched in in SEC football, not necessarily SEC country being in North Carolina, but close close not enough. Yet. We <laughs> not we, yet. We we border. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it will ever happen. I don't know if I don't know if we'll ever have a North Carolina team in the SEC. Um, maybe, possibly, but uh, you know, expansion has got, gotten out of hand quicker than anyone expected. So maybe. Um, but shoot, man, let's go ahead and start. And- yeah, more just me, just that's me, just me, just throwing throwing something at the wall. Just uh, that's that's the only ex- uh, expansion talk I'm gonna have. We we shot our wild. I mean, the, first, did, the last couple of shows. <laughs> did anyone have SMU to the ACC on their bingo card? Nope. I rule nothing out, Luke. I rule yeah, nothing out. for real, man. It's it's the wild wild west, and anything can happen. I mean, like five, you know, in five minutes things can change. Like, so I'll check Twitter after we record this show and. Well, I'll probably see something new that I didn't expect to see. Yeah, I mean, if Carolina was in the SEC, I bet their player would have got cleared. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, with our list, uh, Luke gave you an outline of what he, you know, kind of his criteria. I did very much of the similar. I, I had, I, I have a couple of the obvious ones and then two on here that I think are going to be bigger than maybe they are on paper right now in the grand scheme of you know the the national eye um i and i think the smart place to go to you and i both had crossover on one game on our lists uh and it's one that we talked about uh last year at length being one of our favorite rivalries uh so i'm gonna go ahead and just chuck the grenade in here and start uh it's the earliest one on my list september 16th so we're talking uh you know week three i want to say of official week three um pittsburgh going to Morgantown, West Virginia, uh, for the back backyard brawl. And we remember how that game ended up last year, came right down to the wire, just, you know, pick six, big touchdown, left, right, you know, just haymakers being thrown left, right, and center. That was a, a very expensive game to go to. Um, we, we had West Virginia fans buying season tickets to Pittsburgh football just to secure their tickets for the backyard brawl um, at Acrisure Stadium. And it, it, it did not disappoint. I don't expect it to disappoint this year either. Uh, n- neither team may be going to be as high profile as they were last year, just with some of the, the, the bigger names they had at quarterback. But, um, man, th- this, is a, this is just always a fun one. This one always has a very SEC feel to it, which I think is why I like it so much. Um, and like, like I said, I said it over and over again, West Virginia reminds me a lot of Tennessee. Um, and and Pitts, Pittsburgh has a lot of those types of fans as well. Those blue collar steel mill type of uh, type of fans. So it's it's always an event. If you can watch it, watch it. Uh, I happened to be at a game at the Tennessee game during this last year, but I caught the very end of it, and I I, I went back and watched this game because it was so good. I think it's going to be an even better atmosphere this year in Morgantown as opposed to last year in Pittsburgh, which was awesome too. But that Morgantown is a decidedly more college football atmosphere than a Pitt, who is the secondary tenant in, I'm still calling it Heinz Field, uh, it, second second fiddle to the Steelers. So I think we're going to get an even better atmosphere than last year. And that, that game in 2022, it was like, you know, I used to hang out at the movie theater a lot when I was a kid and they would have the arcade games, Tekken and whatever. And it was like, it was like me and my brother playing Tekken where both of us were just mashing the buttons, not really knowing what to do. 
to, to get the actual controls. Like we were just hitting buttons and hoping that our punches and kicks would land on the opponent. And that's what was happening in last year's game. It was just a frenzy and a great way to, to start the season in, in September. And, and yeah, man, I mean, this is, this is the game we overlap on. This is a, uh, this is, I, I say, this is, I think I last last show I said the egg bowl was my favorite rivalry this show I'm saying the backyard brawl is my favorite rivalry um when in reality the holy war which will not be played this year between Utah and BYU uh is actually actually my favorite rivalry so this is like yeah then this is buckle in dude like strap in get some a lot of snacks this is going to be one of those games that probably takes three and a half three hours 45 minutes just because there are going to be a lot of penalties (laughs) I expect there to be a lot of scoring and uh, maybe, maybe the West Virginia fans, if you're lucky pit fans, they'll, maybe they'll throw coins at you. Like they threw threw at Virginia tech fans whenever they would come up to Morgantown. So, uh, br- bring a, bring a hard hat. If you, if, uh, if you're making the trip. Yeah. Or a food line bag to, you know, get your little pay raise. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I love it. Uh, and I, I can appreciate having multiple favorites. Luke, Luke's favorites are more like his MySpace top eight than, uh, an actual number one. Uh, which I, I think in college football, uh, most people have a lot of favorites. You have your one favorite team, but then outside of that, I got a couple of favorite games, a couple of f- favorite teams outside of Tennessee, a couple of favorite stadiums. So I, I, I think that's okay. In the NFL, it's a lot smaller. I think you got to keep your favorites smaller. But uh, in, in college, I think it's fine to have a couple of favorites there's yeah, a, absolutely. It, th- th- there's there's a wide pool. I mean, you can have a favorite SEC rivalry and a favorite, you know, what Big 12 old Big East rivalry type of thing going on. So, there you go. Yep. Um so I I'll move on to my first one that's different and it goes on to the next week. This one is pretty self-explanatory. Uh talked about it when we were going over our things that uh we were just trying to nitpick feel still Phil Steele last week. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to that. Um, Florida State at Clemson, uh, September 23rd. There's a very good chance that the winner of this wins the ACC. I I don't really see there being a whole lot of competition from anybody else in this conference. Maybe Carolina, if Drake May just has an unreal year. Um, Miami always has the potential because they have the money and the you know, the program heritage. But for me, this is kind of, this is kind of one of those all, you know, for all the marbles type of games. And it happens in September, uh, Florida state at Clemson talk about a first opening month for Florida state playing both Clemson and LSU. Uh, we, we will know how good they are coming out of the month of September and where they stand on the big stage. Um, that, that they can only really afford to drop one of those games. And I think, uh, you know, go, going into the ACC's death Valley, um, it's going to be tough. They're going to have the quarterback advantage. Not sure about anything else. We'll, we'll see, but that, that is going to be a game. Everyone's going to be watching. That is most likely going to determine the conference. It seems like these ACC, what used to be the Atlantic division rivalries are always in September or October. October 1st last year was the Clemson NC state game, which was, the, one of the most anticipated games of, of that year. Um, so I, I just kind of wonder what the SEC, why, or excuse me, why the ACC doesn't make these games later in the season to build up the importance. But yeah, man, the, the old Bowden Bowl. I mean, this was this was can't miss television uh, when when you and I were growing up, and you know, I, it's lost a little bit of its luster because uh, Florida State has been who they are the last 
few years, but this is, these, these are the two, the two, I guess, SEC style programs in the ACC right now. And it's, it's always cool when they get together. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a Dabo fan, so I, I root against Clemson pretty much all the time. Um, I'm, I'm going to be rooting probably for Florida state in this game, uh, but it, it's going to, it's going to, it, it'll kind of give me an idea of who I need to root for later in the season too. If NC state ends up being in the mix, cause they, uh, they play Clemson uh, at home in Raleigh on the last weekend, weekend in October, same day as the cocktail party. So uh, again, like not, not putting any of these games in November, but, but it, it is, it is cool when we get those big important conference games, not too many of them, but when we get a few of them early on in the season. Uh, for those of you who haven't watched the Clemson game in the last year, uh, new drinking game for you. Every time the announcers mention how far Cade Klubnik's parents drove to the game, <laughs> take a shot. Uh, you, you, you will not make it past the first quarter. It is, it is obnoxious. It's awful. Uh, and the, the worst thing is, is, you know, Dabo is probably clutching a cross over there. Uh, I, I don't, I don't like Dabo either. So yeah, we're, we're not, we're, we're not Dabo fans here, uh, here in the Kuchaki studios and the namesake of our studios was also not a Dabo fan or a Clemson no, fan either. Nor is sad Gamecock. So I know he's enjoying this little segment. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he trips and falls on his face. His first run down the hill, man. That would, that would just be, that would just be great. That'd be great. Twitter. Just. Dab Dabo just not not get hurt. I don't want him to get hurt. I just I just want him to take a face plant and just embarrass himself in front of everybody. That, that would that would be really nice. <laughs> I'll be I'll, okay. I'll give him one thing. It's impressive that hasn't happened yet. Right. I know, man. He's like he's he's just sprinting down that hill, and he's not, never even so much as turned an ankle. I mean, it's it is pretty remarkable. <laughs> that's that's a lot. That's a lot of prayers right there. <laughs> So my second game on this list it also involves an ACC team and an old ACC team. I am stoked that this, uh, this rivalry is coming back for a couple of years. Virginia travels to Maryland on a Friday night in week three on FS1. That'll be really, uh, that's not can't miss television for, for most people, but this was always my favorite game as a kid when Maryland would come to town or when Virginia would travel up to Maryland because Virginia, Virginia Tech rivalry, sure, but they always beat us. Virginia, North Carolina, that, that's more of a rivalry off the field than it is on the field. Virginia, Maryland, that's pure blind hatred, baby. These two teams do not like each other. There was bad blood when Maryland left the ACC. There's still going to be bad blood because they still go after a lot of the same recruits. And I'm really glad these two schools have made this able to work out. Maryland will come to Scott Stadium as it stands now next season, but up at a formerly Bird Stadium. Now I believe it's just called Maryland Stadium where they got some bank to sponsor it, where I've never actually been to a game, but renewing the rivalry with the Cavs and the Terps, uh, Maryland's probably going to be a heavy favorite in this game, but just, just to see these two teams get together on the gridiron again, it's, it's the nostalgia comes back and the hatred for the Terps comes back because that was, that was my favorite football team to hate when, when I was growing up. How, how early is this in the season again? Week three. Okay, so uh, de- de- definitely uh, a pretty difficult beginning of the season for Virginia, uh, having oh, Tennessee yeah. and then uh, at Maryland. I mean, you're talking your only home game is versus James Madison until you catch NC State. Yeah, who's um, going to take over that stadium and is probably a better team than Virginia right now. So, yeah. Um, There's no sleeping on that game either. Uh, but, yeah, I, bat- the battle of the DMV don't get a whole lot. Uh, the, the the M and the V respectively. There, I don't believe DC has a college football team. Do, do they claim a particular 
I mean, you're you're either so DC is you're either Maryland, Virginia, Virginia Tech, or Penn, Penn State. They recruit that okay. area very heavily, so there's a lot of Penn State fans there too. But uh, definitely, these are definitely you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Maryland are the the big three for sure. Gotcha. So blue and red doing battle in the DMV once again. Uh, that that should be an interesting one. Hopefully, hopefully Virginia, uh, you know, take something out of the Tennessee game. I'm not calling that one a a for sure win for Tennessee yet, but it certainly uh, certainly favors the Vols. Hopefully, it gives them something to learn and they can apply that. And uh, Maryland's a little bit of a one trick pony to me. If if Tagovailoa doesn't have a good game, uh, I think that squad's going to struggle. So um, make it difficult on him and. I think you have a shot at, at Maryland at any, at any point. Um, okay, so I'll move on to my third one. And uh, you mentioned the Holy War, where I have half of those teams here. Uh, 929, Utah goes to Oregon State. Uh, and this is uh, Cam Rising versus DJ Uyunglele, who some folks may have forgotten, transferred uh, out there to Oregon State. Uh, this is a Friday night game, so it's going to have that big high school feel to it. Um, and I, I, I think DJ uh, Uyunglele is going to have a, a renaissance. I, I don't know what happened last year. I can't explain what happened last year. Clemson had a little, took a little bit of a step back, if I'm being honest with you, uh, just as a whole. And I think a lot of it got blamed on Uyunglele. Uh, Ked Klubnik didn't come in and look any better. They still lost to South Carolina. Um, you know, I, I think Uwe Ungerlele is a lot better than what we saw last year. And this is going to be a battle of two guys who I anticipate being drafted uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. Uwe Ungerlele, of course, has a, a, a lot riding on this for him going from Hulu ads to having the transfer to, um, you know, Oregon State. Not necessarily a road he wanted to take, but I, I – all intents and purposes, this should be one of the magical uh, Big 12 games uh, of, of pack. Sorry, the pack, pack and Big 12, I guess, uh, games um, uh, of the season and should be a lot of points. Utah's going to have uh, a little bit of a benefit of having played a good team in Florida already. Um, and, but they, they got to go to Corvallis. That's that's a hard place to go, and that is always a fun place to watch on TV. So I'm excited that that's a Friday night game, gets a little bit of its own uh, spotlight, which it deserves, and this should be a really fun battle. Go, go Utes. I got, I got my family members who are faculty members there who just love football. They, they care more about football than anything else. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be in front of the TV for, uh, for that game. Uh, but Rick, I, li- I like that pick, and and you know the, this is the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it, so it's it's going to be interesting to see who who jumps out in front, who who gets ahead in that uh that this you know this last season that Pac-12 fans are going to be clutching onto and trying to enjoy. Yeah, well, uh, it might not be Oregon State's last time in the Pac-12. That's true. But, That's true. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think Utah's done. <laughs> yeah, Utah, my, one of those four schools from the Pac-12 right now moving to the Big. Big 12 uh, after the 2023-24 football season. My third one actually is a little bit relevant to that. Colorado and TCU in week one. This is a uh, return game. TCU went to Colorado last year, but it'll be the first time Coach Prime takes the field as the uh, as the the uh, Colorado head coach's first uh, BCS level job. And I, I 
kind of put this on here for, for, for that reason. We, we just talked about this is as of this year, it's a non-conference game, but it's going to be a conference game uh, in, in, uh, in 2024 and beyond. So uh, I think it's going to be high scoring and I'm really just interested to see what Colorado has with a brand new team this year. Cause they had so much turnover uh, because of Deion Sanders coming in uh, to basically clean the program out. And if you're TCU, this is your first time on a field since you got humbled 65 to seven by Georgia in the national championship game. It's going to be a different cast of characters, but you know, you're still going to see uh hypno toad uh, on Twitter and probably on the field um, because this, I think, yeah, this game is in, in Fort worth. So going to be a, a lot of purple, one of our favorite colors and, you know, pr- you know, prime. I'm just, I'm really, really, really excited to see what he does here at a, a, uh, a power five program. And this will be his first test. The number two team from last year, uh, you know, at the, at the end of everything, um, certainly not going to look exactly the same, uh, you know, as they re- replace their quarterback, uh, replace their top receiver, uh, um, among other places where they just hemorrhaged out of the draft, which is a good thing. Um, obviously I, I think right now they still have the head coaching edge. I don't, it's not going to be a particularly close game, but I was very, very close to putting this on my list as well, just for kind of what it signals. Um, you know, you, you kind of, you don't, you don't really know what Deion Sanders is going to do at this level. It's stood to reason that if he was able to bring, you know, Travis Hunter type quality guys to, you know, Jackson State, he was going to be the best there. Um, but now you, you, you're you're not playing with bumpers, so to speak. We took the bumpers off of your lane. Uh, you know, you get you get kind of maybe one year, two years to figure it out, and then after that, uh, <laughs> grace period's over. You better be a good head coach. Uh, and this is the first time that we get to see him. Hopefully, it's not all the stupid pomp and circumstance and white fucking cowboy hat and whatever that their spring game was. Uh, because I, I, I really wasn't that, that, that doesn't interest me. I, I I'm okay with being excited for a new head coach, but can can it be about the players? Can it, can it be about the game that's happening and not this uh, narcissist walking the sidelines with all the cameras on him uh, going through his, you know, whatever WWE, I'm not even sure this injury is real foot surgeries, uh, like that, th- this isn't reality TV. I hope this game is mostly about football. It's obviously going to be about Coach Prime, and it's going to be about the team that TCU had last year. This is week one, um, and it's it's at noon. It, it it's like the first game everyone's going to be watching on Saturday for the most part. Um, I just hope it's about the game. I hope we can start Dion's tenure off nice. I hope we can start this season off nice and just have this be mostly about the football game that's happening and if that happens this is going to be a great game i think tcu fans would agree with you because they're not going to want the announcers talking about uh, what happened in sofi stadium last january i mean that there's that but also on the other hand tcu made it to the national championship there is yeah. nothing to hang your head about no doubt um, w- with last season yeah the, the the result was lopsided that's for damn sure but I'm sure TCU fans expected that no matter how confident they were going in, you knew Georgia was going to eat your lunch. Georgia eat has eaten 
had eaten everyone's lunch up until that point. They, the players were eating wings on the sideline, man. They they were yeah. eating. They were literally eating lunch while, while they were playing playing that game. Yeah, I mean that 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 was just another Saturday to Georgia. Um, <laughs> oh. But you know that I, I I would totally for the most part remember last year fondly if I was a DCU fan, uh, and, and the fact my last game was losing a national championship. Okay. Um, yeah, I want to play in that game and only 50% of those teams make it out of there. I, I guess I'm okay with that. And I'm, I'm happy to pursue it again uh, this year. And I'm kind of glad I get to start off with a team that's going to have all the focus on it. If I'm being honest, that's a, almost a brilliant thing for TCU is they're not going to have, they're the team that lost the national championship and they're not going to have the spotlight on them. That, it's beautiful. That, that, is, point. that is the A plus way for them to start this season. They have no pressure still. They lose their quarterback, lose their receiver. They're playing against the reality TV uh, college football coach. They're chilling, and they are going to absolutely clobber Colorado. Uh, There is no doubt in my mind they are going to take them behind the woodshed. Um, Perfect way for TCU to start this year, and this is going to be what everyone's watching, I think. Underrated stadium, too, I've heard. I've never been, but I've heard that is a very, very cool place to watch a game. LT likes it, so if LT yeah. likes it, I like it. <laughs> and so, so we each have, over to mine. We each have two more, right? Yeah. Yep. Over to mine. So my my last two, to be honest, they're they're not sexy picks, but they are. I I still think top five games outside of the SEC. Um, my my fourth one here, October seventh, Oklahoma versus Texas, the last Red River rivalry outside of the SEC. That is now going to be a conference game. I'm assuming they're going to play yearly uh, inside of the SEC. That needs to happen. Um, I mean, Texas is probably going to beat the brakes off Oklahoma again. Uh, I think Texas, if anything, got better than last year. Oklahoma has probably gotten better, but, um, you know, Texas has three quarterbacks that would start for Oklahoma, in my opinion, and – they they have the NIL money to stack their roster even more than they have historically. I don't think it's going to be close, but just kind of what it symbolizes, uh, you know, kind of an end of an era, just being a, the, the, the big 12 mainstays. These two programs have been the, the, the headliner for that conference. It, it, it would be like if the SEC lost, I, I don't know, Alabama and that, historically Tennessee or Georgia um, to another conference that that's, that's what the big 12 is losing. They are losing. It's like their parents are leaving. Um, And this is the last time they get to see them go out on a date or fight. It depends on what kind of household you grew up in. Um, (laughs) I'm excited for it. Like I said, I don't think it's going to be the best game. This isn't a list of the best games. It's just our top games. Um, And this is one I'll be, I'll be glued to like I am every single year for whatever reason. It, it, it's just such a really, really cool pomp and circumstance type of game to watch. Love this game. Love this rivalry. Um, just love the state fair atmosphere. It's unique. There's no other game that is played at a state fair while the state fair is going on. Like you got big texts that they, you know, they dress him up and show, show that on TV. And he talks with this big Texas voice and uh, you, you see the rides and all the, the livestock and just, just, it, it's, it's, 
the, the, the game is the focus, but there's also so much more than the game that goes on there, which uh, I, makes me really want to go there and see that game in person one day. And my very favorite part about this game it's, is because both teams will always travel regardless of how good they are that year. So you get the very exact halves of the stadium, the Cotton Bowl. Half of it is crimson for Oklahoma and the other half is burnt orange for Texas. And it is it is the perfect visual with the noon kickoff, 11 a.m. Central time with the sun beating down. And it is, it is, uh, it is one of those games that you look at and you say, this is college football. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really hyped for it to come to the SEC next year. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm, we'll see how the, how much of that flavor it retains, that big 12 flavor it retains and see how much new SEC flavor it, it absorbs uh, moving forward. And, and this game is how much things in college football are case by case, because this is one of those games that I never want to see wind up being alternating on their campuses, but like the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I want to see that matriculate yeah. into the college camp, like keep the neutral field. And we've talked about this, but go Georgia, Florida, neutral, Georgia, Florida, neutral um, with that one. Oklahoma, Texas has to stay at the state fair. Um this tradition is older than probably anybody, anyone listening to this really knows. Um, this, this is the Midwest, Southwest, Southwest, I guess. This is a microcosm of the Southwest. Uh, forget how good the game is going to be this year. This is also one of the best uniform matchups every single year. They are perfect. Like Both of them are kind of like a rust color, like a stage of rust. Um, at some point and it just goes so so well um enough talking about it but i i just love this game yeah i'm 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 partial to when oklahoma wears crimson and texas is in those all whites i love those all whites for texas texas's all whites are much better than their orange but i i'll never like the the picture of vince young running into the end zone against usc that jersey will always be my singular favorite Texas Jersey. I don't know yeah. why. Wow. Yeah. Pour one out for Keith Jackson. Just a, a great, just a great call of, of that, of that play. Yeah. Vince young scores. And then he shut up. <laughs> it was, it was, I, it was beautiful. I'll never forget just being up so late watching that game. Anyway, yeah. this isn't about that, but <laughs> dang, yeah, dang, we could go on. Oh, we really could go on all day about that. <laughs> yes. Um, but my, uh, my second to last one, uh, this is a, just a little bit, a little bit of novelty here. Um, and it also features big 12 and pac 12, um, Oregon on the road at Texas tech in week two, uh, the red Raiders have not hosted a power conference team at Jones AT&T stadium since 2017. So that's the reason I put this on the list. Just kind of the, the novelty of a team bringing Oregon to town, you know, Virginia brought Oregon to town 10 years ago. And it was, it was a big event, man. It was like, we got, we got a real legit program coming into our stadium. And I imagine that's going to be what it feels like for Texas tech. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to speculate on who's going to win or not, but this is one I want to see one for that. And two also for the colors with Oregon's green and yellow contrasting with the red and black of Texas tech, but I love, you know, love it. Cool atmosphere. And you got the buddy Holly statue, which is one of the coolest statues in America. And, you know, like I was saying before, this is the first time in six years that they'll have hosted a, power conference team in Lubbock so I just one of the another one of those kind of you know here's here's a team from this conference here's a team from another conference that don't ever play now they're playing this year let's let's see what happens watch out for the Red Raiders too man Joey McGuire had a fantastic season last year 
Um, and it, it's funny. I was just thinking about Texas Tech the other day. There was some – well, one of the current receivers, it might have been Justin Jefferson, uh, put out their top five uh, all-time wide receivers list. And uh, at number five, he had Michael Crabtree. And everyone was just jumping on him. Like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. And in terms of NFL, I get it. But if you watched Texas Tech college Michael Crabtree, you understand why Justin Jefferson has him there. Crank that Crabtree was – I, an inside joke, it was something me and the namesake of the studio, we stayed up watching a Texas game where he just fucking tightrope that sideline and made yep. it in and won that game. I remember late, that one. Late into the night. And Michael Crabtree was just a legend from that point. And it's what I've always associated with Texas Tech. Um, they, they have so much history and it's coming back. I would love to see Texas Tech be a force again and – no better way than to announce that you're back than by knocking off modern day Oregon. Uh, so that that's going to be a really, really good game. I'm glad you brought that one up. Yeah. My, Michael Crabtree torched Virginia in the 2007 Gator bowl or 2008 Gator bowl, the season before that Texas game you're talking about. So man, I got, I, I, I was very familiar with, uh, with Michael Crabtree in college and I 100% agree with that assessment. He was one of the top college wide receivers of our time. Yeah. Uh, sh- short lived and, you, you kind of discount it because it happened in the Big 12 where, like, no defensive backs came out of for a decade. <laughs> um, but still, that dude was electric. And <laughs> honestly, if he didn't get drafted to where he got drafted to, he might have actually had a good NFL career. <laughs> um, Crabtree. <laughs> crank that Crabtree. You come at me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me to put the actual audio of that over, over me saying <laughs> <laughs> dude okay, yeah that's absolutely fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay um so moving on to my fifth one i left it fifth because no explanation is required um ohio state at michigan uh you know you, you, de- it definitely has you know it, it it's got its seat at the table for the greatest college football rivalry um two of the winningest programs of all time two of the winningest modern programs. I mean, it helps that they're the only two teams that they really play throughout the entire year, but it's always the rivalry week for all the marbles. There is no time to make up lost ground, um, you know, in in a playoff scenario. If you lose this one, um, of course, both managed to make it last year, but it's, it's just two of the historic programs and they've just stayed good 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 enough to at least make this a pretty good game every year now we've had some lopsided ones that's going to happen but uh the last couple have been really good and with you know changing of the guard cj stroud um ohio state maybe looks to be uh the 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 the, the smaller team this year they're both gonna be top 10 teams michigan probably gonna push uh you know again to be in that national championship picture uh, with jj mccarthy and uh you know Good thing this isn't in the first four weeks or Harbaugh wouldn't be there. Um, but they, they've done a good job staying up there. Ohio State is going to be a mainstay. And they, I don't know. They, this is just – I love that it's always at noon too, so it doesn't compete with the other really good games. That This is one of those games that feels right at noon. Like Big Ten football just feels right at noon. Um, yeah, I, I, I watch this one every year. There, there is yeah. no doubt in my mind I watch this. This isn't like watching – wisconsin and iowa and find out who gets to nine first uh th- this is one of those games where you, you, you're expecting 35 42 points aside but still good defense somehow 
and it, it's just always a good game. And, and it's it's one of those games that just like everybody's just aware of that it's going on that weekend. Like even if you don't really like college football or you you don't really like Michigan or Ohio State, you're always cognizant of that game going on. I, I think this is going to be the game that determines whether Ryan Day is the coach at Ohio State next season because losing to Michigan twice, I feel like, in a row is going to be like the, the death sentence for him, um, even though Ohio State – probably should have made the the national championship game last year uh, yeah, i say that talk about that with my, with my tongue uh, buried <laughs> buried firmly in my cheek but um you know, of course that's that i think that's i think if you went to 20 people on the street and said what's the signature game of the year in college football every season i would say at least 15 of them would say ohio state and michigan just based on familiarity and how you know the holiday weekend and how important that game usually is for national purposes yeah, I, I agree, especially especially the last 10 years. There's not been a consistently good one in the SEC, really. I mean, Alabama, LSU is the only other game I would put up there consistently year after year with this one. Um, and th- this one clears it just because of the historic uh, value. Ohio State crossing out all the M's on campus. Like, that, th- there is just so much petty little shit. You know, that too much. <laughs> yeah. There is so much pettiness. I absolutely love it, and it just makes this game even better. Even if you're from SEC country and could not give two flying frog farts about the Big Ten, this one always matters because they are always in line to snake another playoff spot from a deserving SEC team <laughs> right. uh, after having played nobody not named Penn State the entire year. Uh, and somehow they're they're still always good. Like, yeah. uh, like you said, o- Ohio State – should have beaten Georgia credit to Georgia for winning that game. Ohio state played a better football game. They just didn't play it long enough. Um, and, and Michigan, man, that Michigan TCU game was something. And I think Michigan would have given Georgia a run for their money. If they beat TCU and made it to the national championship. So that they're usually up, get up there because they're really good. It's not just because they play nobody. They're still right. a really good team, but it helps that they're healthy because they play nobodies. Yeah, uh, my last one, and I, this is the promised group of five game. Uh, I mentioned it last show a, a little bit. Uh, w- one of my favorite rivalries. I, 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 God, I sound like a broken record. This is not my favorite. I'm not going to claim it's my favorite, but it's it's in the top ten, and it's a relatively new conference rivalry. Um, Marshall at Appalachian State, week ten, uh, first weekend in November, and this is this is like you know if you just carved Appalachia into a state, you know you get pieces of. Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, but you would have the, the, both of these schools within that footprint. So this is, this is kind of like an in-state rivalry. Uh, and now that they're in the same conference, it's, it's about to get even more intense. Uh, there's no kickoff time set for this game yet, but I got to assume that it's going to be a night game uh, because Marshall and Appalachian state are picked uh, top two in the Sun Belt this year. Uh, talk, talk about a conference that's really raised its profile. I mean, the, the Sun Belt used to be just basically schools that were better at basketball that played football just in the fall to collect checks and fund the rest of their athletic department. Not anymore. This is going to be a really competitive conference this year. You've got App State and Marshall. You've got Georgia Southern in the mix, who's who's always a a, a, tough, a, a, t- a tough opponent in that that league. And you know, Texas State is another team with a lot of talent. So 
this is a this is going to be the fun belt this year and this will be the most fun game at the most fun stadium in that conference i, I would man maybe maybe i can get free and uh, go, go check it out only about an hour and a half away yeah man uh the battle of the giant slayers from last year uh you know of course appalachian state having its reputation uh but beating a&m last year and marshall beating notre dame last year uh different teams this year for sure but um, it, it's always fun when you get these two teams who are usually punching up. Uh, now they're kind of on even playing field. App State probably still has the edge uh, overall, but that that's just if you look up the term "mountain music" in the dictionary, it just put it's just a picture of App State versus Marshall. Uh, that it is mountain music. They're the same people. There's very few branches combined uh in the family trees between those two schools uh and it's you know it, it it's perfect you know Jimbo's got six fingers uh Bubba on the other side's got six toes it evens out um good, gonna be a really good uh <laughs> I gotta find it on tv I'm not sure exactly where it's gonna air but yeah uh, I, I I'll be I'll be hunting it down we'll, we'll try to get to it uh, ESPN fan. it's got I know Sunbelt's an ESPN conference so it's, it'll be on one of those channels, ESPN two or the U or something like that. What what week is that? How early in the uh, so uh, November fourth? Oh wow! So this yeah. is okay towards the I believe end. that believe that's week believe that's week ten. Okay, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see where that airs. A, a nighttime game at that point in the season is uh, that's that's exquisite television territory. Oh yeah, um, but I, I can see them. I mean. The CW might be open. So. <laughs> no, no, they've got too much ACC. Too much ACC. Too much ACC. <laughs> the, 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 this is one of those uh, can't miss but can't find type of games. Um, and it should, if you can find it, it'll be a lot of fun, especially if you have, you know, family in the Appalachians, like a lot of Tennessee fans do, a lot of Virginia fans do. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like watching, you know, some of your buddies from home play each other you don't yeah, have a dog man, in the fight but you know, it's it's like yeah it's like when i you know i would I know have your mom and them yeah i would i would have my my little league baseball game and then i'd stay to watch a couple innings of the, the next game with the other kids in our league because i had friends on that team or, or whatever or you know my brother was playing and i'd have to stick around the park or whatever so so yeah i mean this is this is a this is a, it's gonna be a lot of fun man it's and it's i i this this was a thursday night game two years ago uh, and three years ago, it was a during COVID, so there was a lot less inventory to go around. But it was actually a CBS game, not CBS Sports, uh, CBS. So that was a uh, that was that was cool to have CBS come to Huntington. But uh, kind of made, gave it that SEC feel. It even kicked off at three thirty. But uh, that's uh, that's the the end of the first quarter, a lengthy first quarter here on episode four of season three of the Right Hash. But uh, just that that was those are, that was a fun list. I love I love just talking about the games, man. Just just anticipating. It's like it's like sitting at the table and we've already ordered our meal and we just kind of anticipating that the meal the meal is coming. You know, maybe we'll, maybe we've been served a salad or some some bread and butter, but just the the the, the meal is coming for thirteen Saturdays. It's uh, starting very 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 soon. So really uh, really happy about that. Also enjoyed it because it made me take off my sec filter on my yahoo sports app because that's all i ever look at that's really all <laughs> i that's how i navigate by the weeks but when you take that off and you start looking up and down if you just take a, a good hard minute to look there's a lot of good games around the country if you're just an sec diehard there's a lot of good games around the country and um 
I could I could have put five, ten more on this list and felt perfectly oh, yeah. comfortable with it too. So uh, it just a nice little college football warm up exercise to see. Oh yeah, they they play football outside of this one quarter of the country. <laughs> no, they don't a play lot of it. Quite as a well. lot of it's still play. there. A lot of it's still in there. You know, Florida State, yeah. Clemson, still in there. Oklahoma, Texas, still in there. But you know. Outside of that, they still do play. They don't win championships, but they play right. football. <laughs> One down, three to go. Second quarter action straight ahead, right here on the right hash. Quarter number two here on the right hash. Another <laughs> list coming at you, and it's our top five transfers uh, for uh, at least my criteria. Where I, just, I said selected by my interest in their success or lack thereof, because there's at least one guy on my list who I, I'm hoping doesn't do very well, um, given who he used to play for and where he plays now. But uh, we will go ahead and I'll just, I'll just start with the elephant in the room here. Um, Brandon Armstrong going from Virginia to North Carolina State, reunited with his former offensive coordinator, Robert Anai, who just spent one year at Syracuse. And you know, it's just, this one is self-explanatory. I mean, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know, I grew up a Virginia fan and I went to NC state. Um, and these two, two teams will actually be playing on a Friday night this year in week four in Charlottesville. So Armstrong will get a chance to go play in his former stadium uh, against uh, his the staff that coached him for one year. Um, I, and yeah, man, it's just, he's going to be, he's going to be the, the guy on offense for NC state. Everything's going to run through him. Uh, he's a, he can do damage with his legs. He can throw, but just wondering how his system with a nigh is going to mesh with, with Dave Doran and his coaching philosophy uh, is, is going to be interesting. And I'll probably talk a little bit more about that as the season for NC state gets a little bit closer because they don't have a week zero game, but obviously if there's, there's, you know, there's one transfer to NC state this year um, it's, it's Brent that I'm going to be watching. It's, it's Brennan Armstrong. Um, you know, you hope he stays healthy because I don't really know what the hell we have back behind him uh, at the quarterback position. So um, this is going to be one year, and then he's going to probably going to enter the draft, and who knows from there. But my first guy, of course, has to be uh, the guy going from one of my favorite schools to another one of my favorite schools. Absolutely. Um, NJ Morris probably would be the tabbed backup um, just from his experience last year. But uh, no, nobody's pushing Brennan Armstrong for the play uh, for the playing time. Um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, his, his dual threat ability because I don't feel like that's talked about enough, uh, especially after just a really, really uh, terrible year that he had last year. If, I'm, if we're just being honest, it was not a good year. Uh, I mean, for, for anyone uh, in, in that uniform, it wasn't a good year, but um, that definitely not by Brennan Armstrong standards. Uh, I, I don't know if he did it twice. I know I saw him throw pick sixes on back-to-back plays last year at one point. Um, and just, you know, that's a bad headspace. Sometimes, a you know, a, a new, new scene helps that out. Like you said, he's a senior going to be looking to play for some draft time, uh, coming into a pretty ready-made offense. Not that they have a ton of weapons, but, um, you know, there's a lot of guys there from last year still. I mean, it's one of the biggest wide receiver rooms in college football. I don't know about how good it is, but it's one of the biggest ones. So, Surely there's two or three guys in there um, that, that can catch a football, but good, good move for him. I think, uh, you know, a little bit of a step up maybe in terms of football prestige, not that big of a step up, but stays close, uh, you know, kind of stays Southern. I, 
I was going to put him on my list, but I, I knew that you would have him and have more, you know, personally to talk about. So I like, I like having Brennan Armstrong on there. And I, for one, am, am rooting for the young man. Hopefully he has a good season there uh, in Raleigh. Um, for my first one, I'll go ahead and get my, it, not a bias pick, but it will sound biased because I have a Tennessee guy on here. But Dante Thornton uh, coming from Oregon to Tennessee, uh, six foot, four and a half. Uh, wide receiver clocked at 24.3 miles per hour several times last year during games. Uh, obviously replacing a guy like Jalen Hyatt, who has been clocked at 24 in Giants camp and at Tennessee, uh, just to bring in another speedy guy. But this one is six foot four. And, you know, with, with Joe Milton, gives Joe Milton a humongous range uh, to just kind of chuck that bitch downfield and, you know, kind of say F it Dante down there somewhere uh, type of idea. Uh, I, I think he's exactly what this offense needed with losing Tillman, losing Hyatt to the draft, um, coming into a plug-and-play offense that has gotten receivers drafted in the last two, two drafts. A perfect fit. Couldn't have worked out any better. Ideal fit. Um, there's another guy on this list that Tennessee was in contention for, uh, didn't get. But I think we got a better fit. And it's, you know, people will say I'm just saying that. But, no, I – I do, I do think the receiver we wound up getting in dominant and Dante Thornton is a better fit. Uh, the other guy is going to do plenty fine. He's a really, really good player. Uh, and we'll talk about him in just a minute, but Dante Thornton to Tennessee. Can't wait to see him light it up this year. Biased. You're biased. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, de de definitely biased. I'm Bill Nye, the biased Homer. Guy. <laughs> uh, I'll, no. I'm going to stay in the SEC. Um, and I'm going to be a little bit biased too, because this is, uh, the, t the team I work for, uh, in a professional manner. Yeah, I use that term loosely, but in a professional context, um, but Rara Thomas transferring from Mississippi state to Georgia, uh, the wide receiver, uh, Georgia beyond Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey, this position group is a little bit of a question mark this year. I think you got Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint, who was one of those players that got in trouble for, uh, reckless driving in the off season. Um, you've also, also got. Uh, Oscar Delp will be at the starter at tight end, uh, Dylan Bell backing him up. Uh, but Arian Smith is listed as the other starting wide receiver right now. Uh, he's been battling some, you know, he battled some injuries last year. Um, A.D. Mitchell has transferred to Texas. He's out of the picture. So beyond the two, uh, the two obvious guys that are going to get a lot of targets, uh, Brock Bowers and, and McConkey the Honky, uh, there's opportunity here in this Georgia wide receiving core to kind of set yourself apart. And I think that's why Ra Ra Thomas came here uh, is, because he knew he would have some opportunities that he might not have had at Mississippi state. And he had a quiet game last year uh, in Starkville when Georgia came, came there and beat Mississippi state 45, 19. So kind of an, if you can't beat them, join them mentality. Uh, but, but with Carson Beck coming into the starting job this year, uh, it's going to be important that he establishes a rapport with all of his receivers, kind of the rapport that Stetson Bennett had. Um, and, and you know, he's going to have those two guys, uh, pretty much always there, but in the SEC, you need to develop a third, a fourth receiver, and I think Ra Ra Thomas can be one of those guys. Well, not to be outdone, and I, I'm going to kind of just seamlessly transition this into my next one. Uh, I also have a receiver that transferred to Georgia. Uh, this one came from Missouri, Dominic Lovett, and uh, yeah, copy paste everything Luke just said and apply it to Dominic Lovett because it's <laughs> pretty Love much the I, pretty much the same thing. This is the guy I was alluding to that Tennessee was in on as well. Uh, but we were really only looking for for one wide receiver transfer 
went with Dante. But Dominic Lovett was a guy that if he would have wound up at Tennessee, I would have loved it. Um, At Mizzou, there was not a lot to work with, but they had good receivers in Luther Burden and Dominic Lovett. Um, I'm very fond of Dominic Lovett. I think he's a good player. Um, we'll see if he has a quarterback to get him the ball. Like you said, there's a little bit of a log jam uh, once you get past um, uh, Lad McConkey and, and Brock Bowers, depending on where Brock Bowers lines up this year. Uh, cer- certainly, I would say a, a better across-the-board wide receiver room for Georgia this year. Um, maybe not as top-heavy as they have been in years past with an A.J. Green or George Pickens, but uh, I think a little bit better. And it's always nice to bring in guys that have – SEC experience you kind of have that get up to speed portion uh cut out of the way as well um they already know what to expect both of them have played Georgia and um you know a a very big positional need for Georgia no matter how many points they scored last year I still think that's a bit of an outlier for the offense in general because it was mostly Bowers uh and the run game and the defense scoring those points it's it wasn't a ton of, of wide receiver output, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, the, the rich get richer, so to speak, but they, they, they get a, a couple of players that are very, very big positional needs for Georgia now that they don't have, you know, a, a very experienced, we can turn to him when we need a play type of quarterback identified. Maybe, maybe that's what Carson Beck turns into, but he, he, he needs help. Uh, to do that he is not Stetson Bennett he doesn't have the experience of Stetson who played for seven years somehow without getting a degree uh, Carson Beck has has not really played and bringing him two bona fide SEC wide receivers to put in there alongside his already two bona fide national championship winning pass catchers uh, recipe for success on offense I think yeah, I, I certainly hope so. That'll keep me busy this year uh, at work cutting the highlights for uh, – I'm supposed to cut every scoring play and every takeaway and sack and every play that happens over 20 yards for, for the dogs. So we, we had a lot of those last year. Uh, so I'm, I'm expecting a lot a lot of those this year too. By the way, did you see that tweet that said Sony Michelle played in the NFL and retired in the time Stetson Bennett was in college? Yep, and they both oh had my, the same amount of college degrees. Right oh, now, my God. Too. Like, what the fuck? That's insane. That's insane to me. That's like, I, I just I had to bring that up because you mentioned uh, our our man Stetson Bennett the fourth, who is probably who is he's probably drunk years. knocking on someone's door. Yeah, seven years something. He's probably drunk knocking on someone's door right now, <laughs> like he was in Dallas. But well, when in Rome, <laughs> my the whole th- city of Los Angeles is a urinal, so might as well. <laughs> my third one, familiar name to a lot of our listeners. Devin Leary, formerly of North Carolina State, now at Kentucky, will be in all likelihood, uh, barring you know injury or suspension in the next couple of weeks, will be the starting quarterback there. And this is why I put this disclaimer up at the top of my uh, so this section here, selected by my interest in their success or lack thereof. Man, I hope this guy flops. I just I hope this guy flops. I just I don't I don't I don't know why he thought he was good enough to run off and be like I'm going to go play in the SEC, only to end up at and a, a kind of non sec program um have fun coming to coming to athens this year man you're gonna throw at least four picks um and i just don't like your school or your team very much and i don't like that you left my school so i'm, I'm not really getting into the numbers here this is a lot of bias but i just i just wouldn't like to hear people 
singing the praises of Devin Leary if he's successful for a team other than NC State. It was kind of like when Russell Wilson transferred to Wisconsin. Every, you know, he had all that success and everyone was, you know, you see pictures of Russell Wilson with Wisconsin gear and not NC State gear. And I just, I just don't want to see that happen again. So I, I hope Devin Leary, again, hope, not hoping he gets hurt, not hoping anything like that happens to him. Just hoping he goes out there and just fucking sucks. Like gets pulled from being the starter in like game four, something like that. Um, because I think NC State is better off now that he's gone. And I, I think NC State is going to finish with a better record than Kentucky. And quarterback play is going to be a big reason why. So third on my list for reasons opposite my first two are, are uh, Devin Leary. Th- thank you. Uh, now, now, now he's out of the way. I'm never going to say his name again on this show. The fact he would even transfer somewhere whose primary color is blue is treasonous enough. Um, But to transfer to the NC state of the sec is ridiculous. Uh, Kentucky was awful last year and they had a better quarterback. Yes. Will Levis is a better quarterback than Devin Leary. And they were awful last year and they're going to be awful this year. Um, Even more awful because they have Devin Leary. Uh, who was just one conference away from being Jarrett Garantano reincarnated, which is what I expect him to be at Kentucky. Um, I'm excited that he's in the conference. Uh, as, as excited as I was for Will Levis throwing for 66 yards and three interceptions against Tennessee, I'm excited for Devin Leary to to feel challenged by that and one-up it. Let's go for four or five picks. Um, you know, I'm not going to explicitly say I'm rooting for him to to fail, but I root for Kentucky to fail ad nauseum, and now he's the guy there. Um, I don't really know what he was thinking. Like, you know, one-to-one, I think NC State's probably a better football team than Kentucky. Uh, They certainly have a better defense than Kentucky does. Um, I couldn't name a Kentucky wide receiver right now. I I couldn't name Kentucky's running back right now. Um, I don't know what he was thinking. It's not like it was the oodles of NIL money falling out of the, you know, fucking coal mines over there in Lexington. I, I, I don't really understand why he transferred. I think NC State upgraded to, to Brennan Armstrong. I mean, you know, mild upgrade, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you. You and I talked about it all last year. I don't understand what the infatuation is with Devin Leary. If you watched the games, especially the one against Clemson, where they did the the Pat McAfee cast and all that kind of stuff, and he just pissed down his leg, I, I don't really, I don't I don't really get it. Um, and I'm glad he's in my division. I guess at least we get to play him for sure. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I have a lot more to say about Devin Lear, but I'm not going to say it here. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um. Moving on to my next one. So I have, I have my, my last three are three guys leaving the state of South Carolina. The first one was a transfer from way, way back. I want to say this was like November, December timeframe. Marshawn Lloyd, the running back for South Carolina headed to the real USC in Southern Cal uh, to play alongside Caleb Williams. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd was, I'm not going to say one of my favorite South Carolina players, but he was certainly one of the ones that I held my breath when the ball, every time the ball was in his hands, when they played against Tennessee, a guy always made something happen. He was a tough nosed runner who could bounce it outside and beat you with his speed. 
Um, and go, going into a system like he's going to have with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams at Southern Cal is perfect for him. He gives me major Lindell White vibes uh, for, for being out there in Southern Cal. I, I hope he gets the lion's share of the time because he should. He's a really, really good player. I could see him being in the league for a few years. As, as long as any running back lasts in the NFL, I could see him being there for that. Um, and uh, mainly saying this, uh, so maybe Mike Barlow will hear it and, you know, get a little pissed off with me today. So uh, there you go, Barlow. Uh, get ready because I'm going to piss you off again in two picks. Yeah, and the insane clowny posse is going down this year too. Just I'm getting in on the act. Just you guys, he said are, he, you guys are toast. He he was messaging me yesterday saying he's hungry for the trophy. So oh, uh, well. <laughs> in, incoming he, bottom four placement confirmed. Some, somebody get that man some food stamps because he's gonna be starving for a while. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, th- I think him and I could uh <laughs> could, could last a couple days without it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my fourth guy is uh, a little, little bit off the beaten path here. This is one of those uh, group of five to power five transfers when you, you see a guy have a good year um, and then and then, he, then he moves on. But Colin Schley from Kent State to UCLA, uh, Phil Steele doesn't seem to think he's going to win the starting job um, over Dante Moore, the freshman. But Colin Schley put up some good dual threat numbers last year, 13 touchdowns uh, through the air, just five interceptions, also four touchdowns on the ground, average five yards a carry. Uh, Kent State was a run-heavy team uh, anyway. Probably they, they gave Georgia their best game of the year. Uh, Georgia only won that game by 16, which uh, we're, we're, we're not going to get into that. That's, a, that's water under the bridge. But Missouri has entered the chat, Luke. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that game was on the road, though. So that, but yeah, the best game. Okay, I'll, I'll amend that. The best, they're, they're the best challenge in Athens. Come on, <laughs> the best challenge in Athens last year was put up by none other than Kent State. Um, and now Colin Schley sliding into where Dorian Thompson Robinson was, that dual threat quarterback, kind of like Brennan Armstrong. Uh, and another reason I put them on here is I, I wanted to have some Pac-12 talk in it. The last year of this conference. You know who's gonna who's gonna rise to the top? Who's gonna gonna take the crown in that league? And UCLA is picked sixth by Phil Steele, so I don't know if they're in that running. But this is an experienced dual threat quarterback, and you know it's just it, it's in the same style as DTR. Um, so and I'm sure you know I'm sure Dante Moore also is in the same style as DTR. So kind of uh kind of put him on here because I'm intrigued for that position battle that quarterback battle and just want to mention one more transfer that's also going from the mac he's not on my list but i had to pick between these two uh for ball from going from ball state is carson Steele, uh the running back so they've got a new look backfield this year um and i just i just think with that with that offense there's going to be some commas in the in the output numbers for for steel as well so the kind of kind of 4a and 4b with the, the focus being on college lee who uh who you know i i think he has a chance to win that job yeah, I uh, never heard of him, um, so I don't have anything to say. But I do have something for your second guy because uh, he was a last-minute erase off of my list. Um, wa- I watched him in person uh, play against Tennessee. Um, and, dude, Carson Steele is just I, – I, I, I don't know how that guy slipped through the cracks and only wound up with a Ball State offer um, because – he he was their best play player by far and away, and I'll be damned if we could tackle him. Um, you know, 
thank thankfully he's not like a four three forty guy or he would have he would have roasted our defense all day. Um, just one of those tough it, bowling ball type of running backs. Really, really like him. He 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 would have been my my sixth if we had a list of six. So good shout out there. I'm glad that we got to give him a little bit of a segment because that I I really 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 almost put him on this list. So uh, good shout out to Carson Steele. Yeah, I was Never literally heard. like I I was did eeny meeny miny mo and was like Schlee or Steele and I was like oh I, whichever one I don't put on the list I'll be sure to mention at least. Yeah, so uh, Colin Schlee is someone that I am now aware exists. I'll have a pay attention to that. Um, you know, we, we, we all learn something every day. Uh, you know, even, even Phil Steele probably had to, you know, Google this guy's name. I've never heard of him. So, um, yeah. So moving on to my fourth one, uh, a little bit more of a high profile quarterback, I would say, uh, I've mentioned him already on the show. I'm not going to dilly dally too much on it, but, uh, DJ Uyunglele Clemson to Oregon state, um, humongous infusion for the pac 12, uh, I think to get a guy of this caliber, um, you know, have a little bit of opposition to the top heaviness of the conference and, uh, should be, should be fun to watch. Uh, just had a bad year last year. I, he's got all the talent. Um, I, I think he has, I think he has the right personality as well to succeed as quarterback. Um, never been a douchey guy, never been loud and, you know, all about me, uh, seems to come from, you know, a really good family, similar to the tag of Iloas, you know, they have kind of that Samoan Pacific Islander type of, uh, you know, ra- raising heritage, you know, co- code of ethics, essentially, uh, they're usually very respectful people, very hardworking. Um, and when the going gets tough guys like DJ Uli, Angulale get going, and I, I think he's going to really succeed out there. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I've always liked him. I hated that he chose Clemson, which is why I disliked him up until he transferred out. Now that he's out of there, I'm a big Uyunglele fan again. But, but, but will his parents travel to the games? And will they be shown every dead ball on the television? That's what I need uh, to know because he was a Clemson quarterback. So that's what I need to know. Well, they're closer, and um, uh, just judging by the TV deals in the Pac-12, I'm not sure anybody would even notice if the announcer said anything about it. So um, maybe, maybe not. I If a tree falls in the forest, <laughs> you know, uh, type of deal there. But, if Colin uh, Schley transfers to UCLA and nobody's heard of him. <laughs> dude, exactly, exactly. Uh, th- dude, this guy in Corvallis, though, if he's able to put up similar numbers to his freshman year at Clemson watch out this is that's a Oregon State is always in the top 10 for like the first six seven weeks of a season and they've usually got nobodies on their team now they have an extremely high profile quarterback uh with an already good roster I'm just saying if I had to pick a sleeper this year and I'm sure we'll do that as we get closer to the season Oregon State is certainly in the running for one of my sleepers of this season because of this guy. Yeah, de- definitely. And that's what the portal does does to, to the game. It, I won't say it levels the playing field entirely, but it gives everybody a chance. You know, it gives Oregon State, who's not as good of a recruiting, you know, not as attractive of a recruiting school as, you know, hey, just come play one year here, improve your draft stock, yada, yada, yada. So 
I, 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 I do like that pick uh, Oregon state, of course, the alma mater of Ocho Cinco and, and of TJ, I say Hushmanzada, you say Hushmanzada, my favorite Chris Bermanism. Um, and that brings me to my last one of this list. And this is a guy on the defensive side of the ball, staying in, in state, Zai Alexander going from Southeastern Louisiana in FCS to LSU, which I consider to be, I, I, I don't, I don't want to call it linebacker U or defensive back U. So I'm just going to call it back seven U. LSU to me is back seven U and that's where you go. If you want to have a, a, a long career in the NFL, if you're on the defensive side of the ball and this guy had nine interceptions through three seasons at Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, I, I haven't looked at the schedule. He doesn't get, I don't know if he gets Devin Leary on the schedule this year, but that would add to his total. Uh, but this, this is a guy who everyone's really high on for a program that just churns out talent uh, on this side of the ball. So I, I'm, I'm going to, if I'm, if I'm watching an LSU game this year, this is the player I'm going to be watching uh, because I think this guy has a really bright future and it, it kind of like, uh, you know, this is, this is another one of those situational transfers. You know, you're, you might not have been recruited highly out of high school and you went to a smaller school in your state, but now you get a chance to, to move up and go to that bigger school and show what you can do. So uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really, really excited to see what Zy Alexander can do. Uh, if he's a factor in this, in the Alabama versus LSU game this year, you can come back to this episode and give me my flowers. But um, yeah, man, that's, that's my last one. I had to have a defender on here too. Um, and there's this guy, this guy looks primed for a breakout. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it DBU. I'm not going to call them linebacker. You that is Penn state historically for me, but DBU for sure. Uh, LSU right now. And I say that mostly to upset Florida fans because they hate, they hate that shit. Um, whenever you call LSU DBU, um, good, good pick again, another guy I'm not super familiar with, but, um, you know, I've at least heard his name. I remember seeing the, uh, the Twitter graphics when he committed, um, in the transfer portal and, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I don't have to know who you are. If LSU wants you at defensive back, that's all I need. I don't, I don't need anything else. If LSU wants you at DB. Yeah. You're, you're probably good. Um, and hometown kid from LSU, they have the hardest to penetrate fence around their state than any other state in the entire country. Uh, LSU kids, I mean, Louisiana kids go to LSU. Uh, good for this kid to, you know, I'm sure achieve a, a dream, a childhood dream to go play for the Tigers uh, in, in Baton Rouge. So um, good last pick there. That's one to, uh, to definitely shout out maybe as we're going along the season, if you notice Luke, uh, him doing well to keep, keep us all up to date. As, as well as you can across the season. Um, and my last one here, as I said, another one out of the state of South Carolina. This was a guy that I desperately wanted out of the portal. It makes sense he didn't go to Tennessee. Uh, he's leaving South Carolina to go to FSU. Jaheim Bell, uh, the belldozer. The guy does everything from running back to tight end to wide receiver. Uh, just one of those athletes he can do everything he understands offense well and he's getting a bit of a, a I guess you could call it a program upgrade although the way South Carolina ended their season I'm really not going to go that far because if South Carolina carries this maybe he made a mistake but uh, just with some of the offensive coordinator uncertainty there uh, and you know going to Florida State 
to play with Jordan Travis in a, in a fairly established offense. Um, I, I can understand it. Wanting to get to the league, it's going to help you if you do well there. Um, again, I was salty because I, I wanted him at Tennessee so bad. Uh, I've never really watched a player from another team and thought that particular sentiment as much as I have um, as when I watched Jaheim Bell. Just, go, go watch his tape. It's not – it's not sexy. It's not four two forty. It's not you know fifty inch vertical. He 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 is just efficient. Tennessee fans, if you're looking for a comparison, Princeton Fant, a guy that we lost, just just one of those guys who positionless. You just line him up somewhere, take advantage of the matchup, and this guy can do it. Um, now he's going to go to Tallahassee. He's going to do it in the ACC. You're going to know his name a lot better because he's going to play against worse teams and have the better team in every single one of those scenarios. Uh, what th- This is the name off of this list to remember, if you remember no one else, Jaheim Bell um, going to Florida State. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hope he doesn't do anything against NC State. That's, that's, that's all. But uh, similar to, to Zy Alexander, I, I, want, I want to come back to this uh to this if he's playing well in the middle of the season you can give Alex his flowers because these, these are we, we we did a couple high profile guys but we also did a couple guys that that might not have you know may, may not have you may not have heard of so so if we are if we are a force that educates you uh about the great players in in college football this season then then please 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 let us know because we we put a lot of thought into these these couple lists uh, here, here in August, uh, we poured our Phil Steele magazine. So we, we were really proud of these, uh, both this, the schedule one and the, uh, the one you just heard here, uh, on the, uh, the, the, uh, transfer, the transfer portal. And we'll, we'll, you know, as, as the door opens up for more transfers, uh, year after year, this will be ever more important, uh, hitting the portal kind of replacing, uh, original, uh, or, or, or the original concept of recruiting, uh, depending on what program you're at. So this is, uh, once again, just 16 days as of this recording two probably two weeks or less as you listen to this show before uh the week zero games kick off on august 26th as we have uh reached halftime here in the nasser alexander kuchecki studios and it's the only thing i'll have for for halftime here is once again a reminder to check out the right hosh our soccer show with rob jordan we'll have an episode next week after the beginning of epl competition this weekend and also we will have the right hash fantasy league fantasy American football league uh, coming up here in a little bit. We'll uh, we'll get input from uh, returners and new players this year for uh, a date for the draft. Um, and we'll, we'll make that happen. And once again, there is a prize available, but it is free to join. So you don't have to part with anything in order to play in the right hash fantasy league. And if you finish higher than one or both of the hosts of this podcast, you absolutely get bragging rights. You absolutely get the privilege to rub it in our faces, be it in person, over text, on Twitter, on Facebook, whatever it may be, you get those bragging rights. So if you want to play some fantasy football for free, go ahead and sign up. We'll have links and information on our social media. And uh, if, if we know you well enough, we'll probably just text you or message you too. So I'm uh, really, really excited for that. That's a season that's coming up too, fantasy football, which we really enjoy here. Can't wait. It's already time to decide what keepers to keep in some leagues. So um, I can't, fantasy football is going to be a, a, a quarter here very, very soon. So oh, yes. Keep, it's, keep it's, your it's ears great. peeled. It's great. And, and, and just before, just before uh, going back to the, the, the football 
Liverpool is going to kick the shit out of Chelsea this weekend. Okay, there we go. And we are on to quarter number three, the NFL portion of our show. Uh, it already kind of feels like we did a, we, it. This is the time of the year where we do half of a show and it feels like we did a whole show, but we've got more. We've got more for you here in this. Probably won't be quite as long. Like, like the NFL quarters don't take quite as long, but we've got some NFL talk here in the third and the fourth. And we'll start with another list. How, how, how about it? This is this is list season, baby, or list S S Z N as the Generation Z uh, population likes to type out these days. Uh, I mean, but... technically, anyone anyone who's hearing this is a listener, right? So, <laughs> all right, that shit shows over. <laughs> I don't want to do this podcast anymore. <laughs> Just two quarters, we're done. Halftime is over. Let's get back to the show. Third quarter action straight ahead, right here on the right hash. Oh, what's he gonna do? You wanna get down? Oh, yes. Pun. Our next list is I'm obviously a Commanders fan. Alex is a Jaguars fan. But we decided to challenge ourselves to come up with five other teams that we would like to see win the Super Bowl this season. We would be okay winning the Super Bowl this season. I'm going to admit this was not easy for me. I'm a very petty NFL fan. I would like to see everyone's team suck until Washington wins a Super Bowl. I know that's not possible, but you'll see in my list that I I kind of you know I I, I stuck with a theme here, and you know we'll, we'll see as it as it as it goes along, but I'll, I'll let Alex go ahead and start since I, I started the list in the second, the second quarter. Um, do you want me to start with the one I, I have my top one is one that you have on your list as well. You want me to start there? Yeah, let's just go ahead. Yeah, just go ahead. Okay, cool. So my, my top one, my top franchise that I would want to see win a Super Bowl if my Jags can't uh, the Detroit lions, uh, Connor Lilly's Detroit lions uh, to be specific. Um, just a lot of, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think that you're a football fan if you don't at least like the Lions outside of the three teams in their division. I, I do not give you a fan pass to dislike this Lions team. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's possible. I was watching a video today of Dan Campbell at practice, and he took the two chunkiest anchor Chad dips and put them in his mouth while he's coaching football. And I did not think I could like Dan Campbell anymore. And then he goes and does something. I mean, it wasn't even the, I think it was just grizzly wintergreen, like run down to the gas station and get me some dip. That's what Dan Campbell dips. Money didn't change him. I love him. I really like the lions. They have a lot of Tennessee guys now after the off season. Um, And you know, it's just it's time for that franchise to get a Super Bowl under their belt. Uh, no, no better time than now. Um, I, I, I think I think this is finally one of the best. It's just one of the best rosters in the NFL. I think top to bottom, both sides of the football, they can beat you. It's just a matter of do they have the guys who can get over the hump? Um, and this is my top team. If it's not the Jags, then I would want to see one a Super Bowl. I too have the Lions, of course, for for a lot of the same reasons. But you know, they're they're just they're a team that's been downtrodden. You know, we don't have to talk about their lack of playoff wins because everybody knows it. Um, and it, it would just, it would be really cool to see Dan Campbell, the person celebrating a Super Bowl. Like he's that kind of coach that he would be standing on top of the bus with his players, 
getting fans to throw him beers and like shotgunning them while the bus is moving. Like he's that kind of guy. And I want to see that kind of guy win a Super Bowl. Um, to say nothing of the victory celebration Connor would have on this show uh, when, when we had him on here uh, for the first show post Super Bowl victory. So yeah, man, the Lions, you know, a team that's not very good. It hasn't been very good over the last however many decades. And um, as, as I go through my list, well, you'll, you'll, you'll see a theme. This is uh this is kind of, you know, loyal, loyal fan bases, places that haven't enjoyed success. And Detroit definitely fits the bill, even though the population of that city is like cut in half since like the last 20 years. But uh, yeah, man, the Lions are a great pick, great place to start. Connor, shout out. Hope you're ready for the season. Should be fun. Yeah, man. Do you, you want me to do my second one now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, so we're crossing the lines off both of our lists. Uh, my second one, probably my second favorite team in the NFL right now, just if I had to put on a random game on a day that, you know, a Jags bye week, who, who am I putting on TV? It's the LA Chargers. Ironically, the, the, the last team that the Jags beat were the LA Chargers, but um, it, it would just be great to see that franchise after having I mean, you, you want to talk about some franchises that have been out in the woods without quarterbacks and not winning Super Bowls. Uh, I can't think of really the last time the Chargers didn't have a quarterback. They've had Phillip Rivers since we were in middle school. They have Justin Herbert now. There was like that one year where they had to, you know, go stab Tyrod Taylor in the chest uh, to make sure Justin Herbert played. But other than that, it, it has been – they have had a top-10 quarterback pr- practically most of my life and still never been really a threat to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, I don't really think they have the biggest fan base. I don't think they have the most diehard. I don't think they have the most starved. But in, in California, the, they are so far below the Niners that I it would just be fantastic to see them win a Super Bowl in that city, you know, where, where you also have the Rams who have won a Super Bowl that they're just kind of playing, you know, third fiddle in California and they're a better team than that. Their head coach sucks, but th- this, that's a program. That's a franchise, whatever you want to call it that I want to see, just get a Lombardi and, and move from there. I, I think that that would, I, I think they would win a whole lot more if they could just get that first one off of their shoulders. Um, it's a, it's a franchise that's been starved for it really cool rebrands. They never felt the need to leave. Um, you know, win one for one of Phillip Rivers, 16 kids, please. Didn't they have a Lombardi the last two years as their offensive coordinator? Um, see, see now we're, now we're even now which we're one? Even. <laughs> Joe, no. Joe Lombardi. Okay. Wasn't either, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't either OC. Um, I, th- I think so. I think so. I mean, <laughs> anyway, anyway, if they win, if they get that one Super Bowl like you're talking about, imagine how much more attractive playing for the Chargers becomes to free agents. You know, every high-profile free agent would be like, "I want to go to Los Angeles and play with Justin Herbert and company," because they just won that Super Bowl, and I would get a chance to play in LA and with the bright lights and SoFi Stadium and and whatnot. I think definitely that this is probably the team that has the most to gain from a Super Bowl victory for that for those reasons. You know, being in a big market like that. Um, kind of, you know, kind of, kind of a West coast version of the jets, like you described, who a lot of people think, uh, are going to have a breakout year this year with Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, their jets are not on my list, by the way, uh, not, not a fan of that team and chargers aren't either, but I, I think that's a solid pick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to, to boot the chargers fans that I'm aware of 
a lot of them are, you know, they, they, they're Hawaiian, they're Samoan. For whatever reason, they've just gravitated towards, you know, the, the, the San Diego Chargers is probably the reason why, um, you know, just geographically it was a little bit more relevant. Um, yeah, Junior Seau. Yeah, Sean Merriman. Um, you know, two two guys who to 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 me embody that lifestyle. So I, I've always while while they don't have the biggest fan base, I've never met a Chargers fan that I was like, dude, Chargers fans are douches. And that yeah. that's including the ones around here that converted to Chargers fans while Philip Rivers was there. They were still just pretty chill about it. Um, yeah, and that's probably why I've liked the Chargers for a while. Not that I like Philip Rivers, but they got a lot of play here while Philip Rivers was on the team. So. Got to watch them a lot. My second team is, you, if you're in Detroit and you swim across Lake Erie, about a couple hundred miles southeast, you land in Cleveland, and that's that's where I get uh, my second team. I, I I don't like the Browns. They eliminated the Washington, the Washington Commanders from the playoff chase last year. But this is another area. This is another city that I think just deserves to experience football success. Uh, professional football success because I'm sure there are a lot of Buckeyes fans lurking out there in Cleveland but you know I and you know Deshaun Watson you have your opinion on him whatever you know he's still gonna I think he's gonna be good you know he was better last year than I thought he was gonna be Um, and and I think this Browns defense got short up in the draft short up in free agency they were already pretty good last year hanging on to Anthony Walker Jr. I think was the move of the offseason because he was supposed to come to Washington and at the 11th hour decided to, uh, to head back to Cleveland. So, uh, you know, they, they've got, they've got a good defense, I think. And, you know, I'm not saying this is a realistic thing for them to go to win the Super Bowl, but you know, this is who would we like to see win it? I would also like to see that city celebrate. I think it's a fantastic city to visit super underrated, super bad reputation for no reason. Been to Cleveland twice been to the rock and roll hall of fame twice. And I still feel like I need to go another dozen times to get everything out of it. Uh, kind of got a nice feeling. Like it kind of feels like you're at the beach, you know, you, you look out at the lake and you don't see anything else. You just see blue water. And it, that, that, that kind of gives you that, that chill atmosphere. You're like, man, I kind of like hanging out here in Cleveland. So that, that would be a fun, a fun setting to see a Super Bowl parade. And, you know, it's less kind of less about the players and just more about the fan base. They've starred for a long time. Uh, that you know they they kind of deserve it. I empathize with them a lot as a Washington fan over the last thirty years, being a fan of a program or excuse me of a franchise that just can't get out of their own way. So for that reason, the Browns are number two on my list. <laughs> Browns number two. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm glad somebody wants them to win. Uh, their their owner Jimmy Haslam uh, is one of the guys who ran Tennessee football into the ground for 15 years. So I, I am not a fan of his. Uh, I do not wish success on him in any form walk of life. Um, that being said, I like the Drew Carey show. So, you know, I, I guess it'd be okay for Cleveland to get that. But, you know, <laughs> they, they, they had LeBron James. I think that's, you know, he left. Yeah, but he came back, got you guys a, a championship. I think he's fine. a fucking you Cowboys know. fan. <laughs> Yeah, but, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. This, this is also, I mean, th- this is also one of those cities that uh, that caved to peer pressure, and now we have the Cleveland fucking Guardians for whatever reason, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sound good. I'm not saying that. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, 
I guess it's good that they have people outside of their fan base that kind of want to see them win a Super Bowl, but I'm I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Again, this this is a very solidly themed list that you'll uh, you'll soon discover uh, <laughs> discover when we reveal all of it. Um, okay, so moving to my third one. Uh, this this one is just purely because the first Super Bowl I ever thought of, this team played and lost. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, ninety eight Super Bowl versus the Broncos, uh, really really good Super Bowl. Always just I've never been a, a Falcons fan, but I've always liked the Falcons to a degree their colors are I mean just one of the best color schemes in the NFL uh in one of the coolest cities in the NFL in the middle of the dirty south where football is is king um and you know the you know bring out your 28 to 3 memes all you want uh they should have had one and I I for me I've seen the Braves win. I've seen Georgia run rampant over college football. I, I think it's just about time to have the Falcons join the party, go ahead and get Georgia their couple of championships for the state, and then let's just leave them out of everything, the whole state of Georgia, leave the, except for the Braves. We'll keep the Braves. I like the Braves. Um, everything else can stop winning. But I, I, it would just be cool to see Atlanta get one. I feel like that would be a really, really cool parade. Um, I, you know, obviously saw what, what happened with the Braves parade. I can only imagine what it would be like in Atlanta for the Falcons. Um, and you know, it, it, I don't know, just no, no, really no rhyme or reason. I would just love to see the Falcons win one. Well, I, I like their colors, red and black, like, like NC state, like the dogs. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the guys I work with are, you know, kind of you know, dogs are first, second, and third in terms of football down in that state. But you know, the, the ones who do like the NFL do like the Falcons. You know, it's one of those things where I, I like to see people I know be happy um, instead of just random people. And I, I agree everything about Atlanta. Love visiting that place. It's been way too long since I've been there. Uh, the world of Coca-Cola is phenomenal. Um, second, maybe second only to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as best place here in America. Um, but and, and yeah, they'd be a, you know, a fresh team, you know, a fresh team to win that division since the Saints and Bucks have dominated it lately. Um, you just and, and it would make people here mad. It would make people here mad because a lot of people here hate the Falcons because they like the Panthers. And I'm always I'm always here for mad Panthers fans. Yeah, but that only depends if those Panther fans are actually rooting for the Panthers this year or not. And that only that and that is largely predicated on whether the Panthers are good. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you're only going to make half of the part-timers mad if the Falcons win the championship. <laughs> uh, but my, my, my uncle's a Falcons fan. Um, he, he part-times as a Panthers fan just because of where he lives. But uh, he's a Falcons fan, been a Falcons fan for as long as I can remember. So it'd be cool to see him uh, get to enjoy his team win a Super Bowl as well. And the Falcons are bringing back, well, they're not bringing back. They're going to be reprising those red helmets this year. The red throwback uh, helmets. One of the, one of the games they're wearing them is against Washington. So I'm, I'm very excited to watch that. I call them the Jamal Anderson helmets. Cause that's yeah, all I dude. can That's the only guy I yes. can picture in them. Yeah. And I know, I know dogs fans like it too, with the, the, the red, the red lids. Who, um, who's the kicker? Uh, who's the young, uh, young way. Koo. No, 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 no. The, the historic. Morton Anderson. Mort, Mort Anderson. Yes, I can see him wearing that helmet too. Yes. <laughs> I, I said Jamal Anderson. I'm like, there's no way that kicker's last name was Anderson, right? <laughs> it was Anderson. It was. it was Anderson with an E, not an O. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it was a Scandinavian spelling rather than the English spelling. Big um, differences. Yes. Making sure to keep those families <laughs> separate. So Atlanta 
is one of those cities that's really sprawled out, a lot of traffic, dirty south. Houston, I've been told, is Atlanta on steroids. I'd love to visit there. And I'd also love to see the Texans win a Super Bowl. Uh, th- this was this was the one game last year I watched when Washington played them where I, I legitimately felt sorry for that franchise. I was just like, man, we, we won that game 23 to 10. And I was like, fine. I didn't even want to win that game by anymore because Houston was just so lost and punchless and like, I just like, man, and our state, you know, like our fans took over more than 50% of the stadium. It was like a Washington home game. And I was just like, man, there, there is a Texans fan out there just like me who is experiencing this right now. And I know exactly how it feels. It's like the other teams taking over your stadium and they're not even beating you badly because they know it's not even worth it. And it was really cool to be on that side of it as a Washington fan on November 20th of last season. But I, in the back of my mind, I was like, man, I really hope we don't win this game by too much. Cause like we we're, we're just, this team sucks, man. This opponent sucks. We, we could play blindfolded and win the game. Um, and, and, you know, there, it would be, it would be really funny if, if Houston won a Super Bowl in the 20 years they've existed without Dallas winning a Super Bowl. Cause they, there's, there's everyone in Texas is a Cowboys fan, except that little pocket in the Southeastern part of the state where Houston is. Um, and it would just, it would just be a cool little, little brother type thing for the little brother Texans to usurp the Cowboys in terms of quote unquote supremacy in uh, the state of Texas. Um, no, thanks. Should I go on I to my next one? Kind of, kind of figured you would say that, but, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I might as well just put Cowboys on my list and see what your reaction was. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I, I'm not even going to comment because I don't want that to happen. That would be detrimental to me. And that's totally uh, fair. That's totally we'll, fair. We we'll just not... move. No, nothing against the good people of Houston or the players on their team, but we do not root for divisional rivals over here and we will move on. Um, my fourth one. And they were almost number one. The only reason they're not number one is because I don't know anybody who's a fan of this team. And that's kind of been a little bit of a priority. Like if I can have a team win and someone that I know who's a really, really big fan of theirs, you know, benefit from it. Cool. I don't know any Cincinnati Bengals fans, but I saw that team get so freaking close so much with, you know, Rudy Johnson, Carson Palmer, Chad Ocho, Cinco Johnson, and TJ Hujamama. I saw them get so close so many times. Um, you know, you talk, you talk about Cleveland. I, I think Cincinnati is probably, I mean, that they're, they're one and the same just in terms of who the fans are as people. Um, and with this current team, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, this current squad would be one of the coolest uh, – Super Bowl celebrations, if we can take anything from what Joe Burrow did after winning a national title at LSU and put that on top of a Super Bowl, um, he'd be one of the best quarterback, most successful quarterbacks of all time. Um, But it it would just be, it would be such a cool experience to sit back and watch the Cincinnati Bengals victory parade victory. You know, I I don't exactly know how they would do it, Um, but also, Love their colors, the orange and black. Perfect. I wish they used their orange, honestly, a little bit more than they do. Um, and they've started using a, a decent amount more uh, in the last couple of years. But Cincy, man, that 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 completely unrelated to me in every aspect are the Cincy Bengals. And I still, it, it would be great to see them win a Super Bowl. Not on my list, but great pick. 
I had an Ocho Cinco jersey when I was 13. They were kind of my second favorite team with those, those players you talked about. Uh, I, I, you know, if the Redskins weren't playing, you know, weren't playing on Sunday, I was watching the Bengals. If, you know, if the Bengals were playing at four and the Redskins were playing at one, I was watching the Bengals after I was watching the Redskins for as long as Ocho Cinco played on the team. So, yeah, man, that would that, that's a fan base that deserves it too. It'd be be cool to. I think there there the parade would maybe go from the stadium over the bridge to Kentucky. That would be, that would be cool. Even though we hate Kentucky, that would, that would be cool for the fans over on that side of the river of the Cincinnati metro area to get get to experience the parade too. Um, but of course, you know, I, I wish I could find that Ocho Cinco jersey, man, because it was it was like my security blanket from the Peanuts for for about a couple couple <laughs> years. Um, big big fan of his. You know, even if you're not a Bengals fan, you should definitely be a fan of his. Goes around to restaurants and leaves huge tips now in retirement. Uh, just fan- fantastic dude all around. My uh, second to last team on my list is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, been to their stadium twice. Uh, great place to see a game, both times with the namesake of our studios. Really nice, nice fans to all the Cardinals fans we met were really, you know, welcoming and and kind and and nice. We actually got invited to a, a tailgate full of Navajo people. Um, it was a Redskins tailgate full of Navajo people, which I thought was very ironic that there were Navajo folks dressed up in gear that said Redskins on it. But that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, fun stadium, the big toaster. Thank God it's indoors because it was 107 degrees the last time I was there. Um, and, and, you know, I know a couple Cardinals fans here in North Carolina, believe it or not. And I, I, you know, they're, they're both friends of mine and I, I would like to see them be happy. Um, and, and they're a fan base that just hasn't gotten to taste success, except for that one year they made the Super Bowl and probably should have won it over the Steelers. Um, but yeah, man, that, that's, uh, that's, you know, like I said, the theme here is just kind of like Washington in my lifetime teams that teams that are starving teams that, that really, really would not take a Super Bowl win for granted the way uh, the way the Patriots or the Eagles or the Chiefs probably would at this point. So Arizona Cardinals, for for those reasons stated above, uh, I've only been to two NFL stadiums, that and FedEx Field. So by default, uh, the Big Toaster is my favorite NFL stadium that I've watched a, a game in. I've actually been inside the visitor's locker room. That was cool, too. Um, and just just I, I love Phoenix, man. Phoenix is a great place. Always sunny, always, always warm, maybe a little too warm, but just, just my kind of place. I'd love to retire and, and hang out. So, uh, go, you know, go, if it's not going to be Washington out of the NFC this year or Detroit, it, it can be Arizona. Sick. Yeah. I, I don't have a particular feeling one way or the other, although it would feel very bittersweet to watch the Cardinals finally win a Super Bowl within a couple of years of Larry Fitzgerald retiring. Uh, that that's, that's one of the guys who, if you could retroactively kind of give an honorary Super Bowl to, you'd, you'd want to give it to a guy like Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and, you know, who knows? I, the Cardinals could be on their way. They've had, you know, top draft pick after top draft pick, and eventually that's got to stack up to enough talent to at least compete in your own division and get to one. So, um, like you said, they got to one before, and uh, San Antonio Holmes size 10 and a half, not 11 shoe, are the reason they did not win that. Um, cool, cool area namesake of the studio lived out there. I'm, that's who you saw that with. And, um, sure. It'd be, it'd be cool to see those folks, uh, you celebrate a Super Bowl out there. And I will move on to our last ones. I think this is pretty much the same case for both of us. Um, I've got Washington and le- like I said, in my last one, a, a lot of these have been for people that I would just want to see you know, win a Super Bowl. This isn't even so much for me seeing 
the commanders win a Super Bowl, but you know, knowing what it meant to the namesake of the studio, knowing what it means to his brother, what it means to you. A lot of folks in this area are Washington fans. They're transplants from the DMV uh, who, you know, that they have the monopoly on the fan base for the most part there. And um, yeah, it it would just be great, especially having this Dan Snyder stuff off of your back, uh, you know, turn over a new leaf with new ownership. And, you know, hopefully in the next five or so years, Washington's able to, to claw themselves back into uh, the, the upper echelon where their franchise is all time in, in the sport. Hopefully they can claw back into that upper echelon and, and get that Super Bowl. And we get to have, uh, you know, Luke come on here, uh, you know, just a sniveling, crying, snotty mess, talking about what it means to him. We'll have Armand on here. Um, and, you know, that, that, that is a show that I very much – look forward to if if for some other reason the Jags can't win it uh, I'd be perfectly happy to see I mean very happy I would be I would be ecstatic to see Washington win a Super Bowl just for the people that I know that follow it and are such loyal to the grave followers of that of that team yeah and that's you know that that's that's why I picked the teams I picked you know the loyalty just the, the the dedication which is which is what I hang my hat on as a Washington fan. You know, I'm, I, it doesn't matter what our record is. I'm going to watch every game. Even if I'm working during the game, I'm going to have my computer up in the studio with the game on, even if I can't have sound. So that's, you know, that, that's just, that's, that's to me, that's the secret sauce. It's just, it's, it's the, the sticking with your team and the loyalty and it's going to pay off for me one day. I just, I really hope the only thing is, I don't know how soon we'd be able to do a show after that because I would be just piss drunk for I don't know how long afterwards. Um, I'll like get AI Al- to do it. Like Alex Ovechkin after the Stanley Cup type, you know, just toting the cup around a Nationals Park and doing keg stands out of it and just filling it with booze and just just the the bender he went on after he won this won the Stanley Cup. That's what I would be doing <laughs> after Washington won the Super Bowl, which if maybe it'll happen this year, who knows? <laughs> if you want a good preview, uh, check out the right hosh and what we talked about Jack Grealish after winning the Champions League. <laughs> that, that, that's that's a that's a good maybe uh, tame comparison to what Luke would be like. Um, I could see him finding a double decker bus to champagne shower a crowd uh, somewhere I was there. Say, in DC we would be having there would I was gonna say we we would have a we would have a victory parade of our own in downtown Winston-Salem if, if Washington won the won the Super Bowl and that goes for any time I could be 90 years old and that, that would still happen uh, but of course uh, fittingly I have Jacksonville as my last team you know copy paste the reasons um, I, I do like Trevor Lawrence they got a lot of players that I like um, so so it's it's it would be fun to watch Trevor Lawrence actually you know pan out like that as a number one pick because uh, a lot of times the number one pick doesn't get to where we think the number one pick is going to get. But Trevor Lawrence from year one to year two has showed tremendous improvement. I um, mean, he just, he seems like the kind of, he's the kind of guy that I would like to see win. He, he doesn't run his mouth like Baker Mayfield. You know, he doesn't get in trouble off of the field. Like, you know, a, a lot of players in this league, you know, Alvin Kamara. Um, he, he just kind of goes about his business and improves and gets better. And I expect more improvement this year from Trevor Lawrence. And he's, he's, he's the kind of player that I just really like to see win to say nothing of my esteemed co-host uh, being a Jaguars fan. That, that would be a fun show too. I don't, I don't know if you'd get as hammered as I would after my team won a Super Bowl, but I, I, I would imagine, uh, I would imagine the, uh, the, the, the parade would be parade would be pretty fun. I don't know if you'd rent a double decker bus, but 
it'd be we would have to do something i'd get a double decker burger at the very least Um, (laughs) i you know it's funny because i was just thinking about this like of course being a jaguars fan the jaguars are the team that i picked so i'm no fair weather fan but i i I have two super bowls to my name essentially both under peyton manning i was a colts fan when peyton was there they were my team we won that super bowl i was a peyton fan when he went to the broncos won that super bowl so i'm definitely not a star like i've experienced winning a super bowl i've not experienced my team winning a super bowl but i've experienced kind of what that feels like um so thankfully i'm not super starved of one we have the one from 2015 from the broncos but well after peyton retired and i i you know planted my flag in in duval county in jacksonville florida um it's it's been tough we've been close once and we had a pretty good season last year but um really in jacksonville if the season's not good it has been awful and i i feel like i have been a jacksonville fan for two decades with the amount of just garbage that has happened since i've been a fan uh it it would be amazing to and i mean just getting to meet all these jaguars fans that i've met since being a you know a, a convert to duval county um that is the only nfl stadium I've ever watched an NFL game in. I've been to Bank of America, but for a Tennessee game, uh, I went to, um, it, I think it was Everbank then. I think that was the last year of Everbank or the first year of TIAA Bank. But it's going back to Everbank, thankfully, because that's a much better name. Um, but I, the only one that I've ever been to, it's the only team that I've ever really pulled for. And uh, yeah, man, it would be great to see us win a Super Bowl. Like you said, I I don't think I would have I wouldn't be nearly the the snivelly you know destroyed mess that you would be. But uh, you know, I I kind of had my my football heart broken by Trevor Lawrence back when he chose Clemson over Tennessee, thanks to Butch Jones, and kind of had this you know renaissance back with him coming to my professional team, and. I, you, you nailed it with, with Trevor. Uh, he's just, he, he's just a good guy. It, money hasn't changed him. Never been a, a bad person or, you know, looking for the spotlight. Um, if anything, he's probably had too much of it himself, but just a guy that I think you root for. If you, if you don't have a particular reason to root against the Jaguars or whoever his team is, you just have to root for, for Trevor. And I, I hope Trevor gets one. Um, and I <laughs> disclaimer, I hope he gets it in Jacksonville. I was going to say he, he could, he could get one for another team. <laughs> yeah. Please, please, please don't do that. I mean, that, that would be, I would feel like I was fully a Jaguars fan. If I ever experienced Trevor Lawrence signing with another team, um, <laughs> that, that, that would be like, I, I don't know. I, I would just be down there in the, you know, the, the, the sea of the dead bodies in, in Hercules that Hades is over. Oh. I, I, that would be me down there with the rest of Duval County and the Jaguars fans. I would officially be accepted as one of their own um, if Trevor ever left the franchise for anything other than, you know, career-ending injury or retirement. <laughs> Last word here in this third quarter, Yellow Card, my favorite band, Nasser's favorite band from Jacksonville, by the way. They played uh, Ocean Avenue as a bump going to break during that 27 to nothing comeback game last year on NBC. So I, I also saw them this summer. And they were fucking awesome. So, uh, yes, Jackson, I, I, they are Jags fans, I believe. So that, that that would be cool, too. Maybe they could play at the, at the victory parade as a, the horn sounds on quarter number three. And we are finally done with our lists here 
on this episode number four of season number three of the right hash from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. And three down, one to go. We go to the fourth quarter right here on the right hash. Just to wrap things up here, like Alex said at the beginning of the show, or I don't know, at some point during the show, it, it is preseason and there are games going on as we speak. CJ Stroud has also, or has already been intercepted by the Patriots defense in his first preseason start as Houston is taking on New England in Foxborough. Must. I believe, uh, <laughs> believe Minnesota and Seattle play tonight too on NFL Network before most of the games get done or get, get underway tomorrow. Um, so the, the mainly what I've got commanders are playing their first preseason game at Cleveland. Um, Sam Howell is going to get the start, probably play a couple of series. Then we'll see Jacoby Brissett. I don't know what we're going to do with the rest of the starters, but you know, if there's any doubt as to someone being hurt, they're not going to play. I don't think Emmanuel Forbes is going to play uh, after tweaking his groin, groin, the uh, first round pick cornerback out of Mississippi state. Um, but just to, you know, I don't really care about the, results you know the results are going to be what they're going to be the teams go into this game with different plans for each you know string of players that goes in um there are going to be guys that show out that aren't going to make the team or might only get relegated to the practice squad but you know that to me is the biggest thing about preseason and what interests me the most is the position battles um the, the biggest profile position battle going on for washington right now i would say uh since they've established sam howell as a starter at quarterback is at left guard with uh, Chris Paul. No, not that Chris Paul. Uh, he's a second-year guy out of Tulsa, was a seventh-round pick, competing with Sadiq Charles, who's entering his fourth year in Washington, out of LSU, was a tackle. We kicked him inside to guard um, with Charles Leno being the starting left tackle, and um, Andrew Wiley is the starting right tackle. Uh, but this, the, just these position battles, like camp bodies, camp crushes, who's going to make that the team with the 52nd, 53rd pick? All of that is what intrigues me with preseason more so than wins and losses. I know the year that the lions cover your ears, Connor went 0 and 16, they went four and 0 in the preseason. We know it doesn't matter. The wins and losses don't matter, but to me, just, you know, seeing who's going to come out of those, you know, those last battles going into that last game, when five guys are, you know, have, if they play well, they secure their spots on the roster. If they play poorly, you know, get ready to learn Chinese buddy. Um, but I just a general, like it, it's, it's finally here, you know, it's finally here. It's that appetizer. You said it last show, you stepped out on your, uh, on your porch and you could smell it in the air. And that's kind of how I was feeling today, heading to work. I'm just, you know, anticipating it the day before the game it's preseason, but it's still Washington. I'm going to be watching guys in burgundy and golden white move up and down 120 yard field. And that's just, that is above everything else what, what I enjoy more than, than 99% of things. So, you know, I am I'm invested in in how well we play, but I want to come out of this game knowing, and I'm sure fans like me of other teams want to come out of these games knowing with more clarity, like, okay, who should I be watching this year? Who's going to make the roster as opposed to, Oh shit, we got beat 41 to 17 in a preseason game. Yeah, man. I, I echo, I think, pretty much everything you said, um, 
except for I don't put any stock into preseason whatsoever. Um, the only thing preseason is good for to me is uh, flipping uh, sports cards. You go early in the season, buy up all the shitty quarterbacks cards. Once they play in like preseason game three, because they're down to QB four, he tosses a couple of picks, flip them for two or three X what you paid. Boom. Love preseason. Um, other than that, uh, if, if you come out of preseason four and O it's because you have no idea what your team is going to be. And you had to play all your starters the whole time. That's the only, that's the only reason you wind up four and O or undefeated in preseason. I never saw pay. I never saw the Peyton Manning Colts win a preseason game because they never had to play anybody and they, they knew who their starters were. They didn't have to play anybody. Didn't have to figure anything out. Um, and you know, I, Thankfully, I think a lot of that's going to be true for the Jaguars this year. Um, defensively, probably have a little bit more to iron out, but offensively, I think we know exactly who we have. Uh, the The whole key, I, I would say, for most teams is just get out of the preseason healthy. Um, and that's that's mostly what I watch preseason for, is to monitor uh, fantasy football injuries. Um, it's why we don't have fantasy drafts until the last preseason game has ended. Uh, you know, what we've had the Jordy Nelson's happen during the draft one year, actually Jordy Nelson got hurt uh, after getting selected in like the second or third round after that decided we're not doing any of this anymore. We're not drafting anything until after all the preseason games. And that that's mostly what I watch for. I, and I don't mean that like I watch NASCAR for the crashes. I mean, I watched the preseason to just, if, if they say Cooper cup went down with a hamstring, okay, how bad did it look? How bad did it look live? What was the response? Did he walk off? You know, just to keep tabs on on those things, mainly from a fantasy football perspective. I don't think preseason matters very much in the grand scheme of NFL whatsoever. It's a way to put a couple more games on TV um, and, you know, get pe- get people their, their fix of football a little bit earlier. Um, but, you know, also get some of these guys up to speed with, with what, uh, you know, an NFL game feels like. But I feel like as far as, you know, team to team, you get more out of the the combined practices more yeah. than you do a, a preseason game. Agreed. Yeah, the, these a lot of these roster decisions aren't made based on the preseason games. They're made based on what you, these coaches see in practice. Um, yep. And and it, you, I remember, you know, the, the best part too is maybe not the best part, but an entertaining part is sometimes you get fights in in camp. Um, and you know, the Texans and Redskins fought a few years ago when they were having combined uh, or excuse me, I should say joint practices. That should be the official term here on the right hash joint practices. Um, And you you brought up a good point the other day. I don't remember if this was in college or in the pros, but if uh, you know, a team was some players were fighting and you said something to the effect of, you know, if, if the players aren't fighting during practice, then they don't care. You know, it's worse to see them not care than to see them get worked up over something on the practice field. And I tend to agree with that too, because um, it's just, like you said, it's, you, it shows a desire to get better when you get frustrated like that in practice. Um, I, I wish my high school tennis coach had, had known that uh, when I played tennis in high school, but uh, just uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, what, what went into the, like what happened exactly. And what, what kind of prompted you to, to put that out on, on into the open. You know, I forget what the prompt was, but it was right after um, some team was like, these two guys were fighting and it looks bad for the culture and, you know, things aren't going well. I I want Giants camp or something like that. Just something I saw on Twitter. This was a tweet I sent out earlier this week, I think. Um, 
but you know essentially the idea that i was coming with is you know i remember watching the you know the season ending dvds or whatever uh that they used to come out with for tennessee football every year and that they would always have commentary from players and coaches and whatever on it and um i remember specifically after the 15 year anniversary i want to say of the 98 championship game you know they had t martin philip fulmer and some of the guys from that squad talking about the games um and where they started obviously at the very beginning a very good place to start um they always said if you don't have a couple of fights your team isn't practicing right you you want a couple of fights because that means guys are engaged that means guys care that means guys want to be there guys are competing something is on the line that these guys aren't just going through the motions getting through another day trying to get home um and you know college and pro you can say that there's differences sure there are but one thing i took from band in high school my band director always said we might have been sitting there in class goofing off or whatever but he he always said practice like you're gonna play practice like you play and if you're not getting good reps whether it really in anything in life if you're not getting good actual reps you're wasting your time and whoever you're working with time if you're not going your hardest okay maybe you're saving yourself and whoever's lined up against you from some you know remote injury whatever but you're not making yourself better you're not making the guy lined up across from you better and if you going so hard gets both of you so angry that you need to fight that means something is on the line that means you both care about this um and you know getting under your skin is not always a bad thing some guys like to get under their skin i remember watching videos of john henderson asking this poor little white guy to slap him before games no way i would have done that that's like sticking your hand in a lion's mouth but just to get to that next level and i don't i think if you're not getting to that level in practice what who what's to say that you're ever going to get to that level on the field if you're just trying to protect yourself in practice and you're not even going to go through the, the the necessary steps to make yourself and your team better I can't expect you to do that during the regular season when you're kind of banged up and it, it, it's, it's just, you, you don't want all out brawls. You don't want it to carry over into the locker room. You don't want it to carry over off the field, but if you don't have a brawl or two in your team between the offense and defense, I don't think you have a chance. I've, I've really have never heard of a championship winning team, not having fights in practice. Go back and listen to what Kirby said about his last two teams. I mean, that dude was dropping F-bombs and whatever over loudspeaker, trying to get his guys amped up. And eventually, they kind of had a couple of spats in practice back-to-back national championships. you got to have that. If, if you're not engaged in practice like you're playing a game, you're wasting your time and your teammates' time. And that, that's kind of where that came from. Pe- no, people I, are just like very that. much – Yeah, they're just so – Oh, fighting is bad. This is bad for the culture. No, yeah, this is football. If you're playing basketball and Draymond is punching Jordan Poole, that's bad. But if you're in football and you have a wide receiver and defensive back who take it past the whistle, go out of bounds, and a couple of jabs get thrown at the helmet, you know, some guys come around and it kind of turns into like an Oklahoma drill almost. Um, you know, what we're just they're shoving. That's good. That is that is healthy, positive football practice. 
we talk about practice. <laughs> it's just, just like what I was talking about last week at the end of our show with Dak Prescott and Trayvon, you know, Trayvon Diggs calling Dak Prescott a bitch after he hit him or something. It's like, no, the Cowboys don't have chemistry issues as much as I would love for them to. It's just, this is just dudes being dudes and getting a little bit heated on the football field when it's 95 degrees outside and you're gearing up for your first game and, you know, three weeks, actually exactly a month from this recording for most teams. You're just, this is dudes being dudes and it's, it's always going to be part of it. And yeah, I, like I said, a few minutes ago, would just, would just so much rather see this than, than guys not caring. Dude, if, if your quarterback can't be, can't take that, if he, if he can't mentally take his teammate in a practice, calling him a bitch, it's, it's probably why he's come close to winning nothing ever since he's been in the Cowboys. Same with their offense who responded to, to that, that, that is a comment that I don't even respond to it's Trayvon Diggs. That dude plays defensive back. Those guys run at the mouth. If you respond to anything a defensive back says you have already lost, especially if you don't play receiver, you have already lost. Um, so it, it explains why the Cowboys have been dog shits our whole life. Uh, if they have quarterbacks that are that soft and offense that is that soft, they respond to it. Um, I want my defensive backs throwing stuff like that out. That's what Trayvon did was perfect. What the offense did is why they suck. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next episode for more Dallas Cowboys slander from the studio named after the man who hated the Cowboys more than anything on this planet. So <laughs> it's a good true. way to wrap up. A good way to wrap up <laughs> show after our nearly two hours of football banter. Uh, once again, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Alex, for taking the time here out of your busy schedule to uh, get us geared up. And we are just over two weeks away from the first college football games of the season. So we will ride off into the sunset here once again and be back next week with another show. But don't forget, we'll also have another episode of The Right Hosh as the EPL season gets started. We'll grab Rob Jordan again and see if his gunners can uh, get off to a a start like they did last season. And we'll see if Liverpool can get off to a better start than they did last season for for my sanity's sake. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us today. That's all we've got for you for this fourth episode of the third episode, third season of the Right Hash here from the Monster Alexander Kuchek Studios. And we'll give you some more lists and some more banter when we talk to you.